Welcome to the Approachable Equestrian Podcast, a place where we dive deep into all things mindset, motivation, and stories that inspire. I am your host, Rihanna Burke, fellow equestrian, writer, and competitor, and I am determined to shine a light on all things inclusive in the equestrian community. With that said, let's jump in to today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome to episode 16 of the Approachable Equestrian Podcast. This is our very last episode for the whole year of 2021 and I just want to say a huge thank you to everybody that has been tuning in since the start of November. I am so excited for what is yet to come in the new year and all the guests that we will have lined up and all the topics that we will get to go through about mindset and also setting goals for the new year. So get ready for January. It is going to be all about goal setting and all about how to set yourself up for the best year of your life yet to come. Today's episode, I got to speak with one amazing, inspirational young lady. Her name is Matilda McCarroll, otherwise known as Tilly, and she is just such an inspiration at 20 she has already cracked the top 1000 eventers in the whole world on the fei rankings she is really inspirational also she just spoke so openly today about when things have gone bad when things have gone amazing she's also spoken about how she has really had to work on herself with her motivation and also her organization it was such a key aspect as to how she tries to keep herself moving forward and getting to where she wants to go. So sit tight and let's all welcome Tilly McCarroll. Thank you so much for coming on our show today. I'm so excited to have you here. You're definitely a big inspiration in the equestrian world, being so young and you've already achieved a ridiculous amount of things. So can you give us a bit of a who you are, where you came from, how did you get into the horses? Yep. So um, my name's Tilly. well, my riding name is Matilda McCarroll, but better known as Tilly. I am 20 years old and I'm from Sydney. Basically, I've been riding since before I could walk. I grew up on a um, a 300-acre property. My parents are not horsey, really, that much. Like, I didn't like, – we had horses. My dad tried to ride, but he was a horrendous rider. Like, the horse would come back and – um, with the saddle around its belly and my dad would be walking back with the bridle. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. My mum, she she used to hunt. She used to do um, hunting back in England. So she was sort of the one that wanted me to ride. So I had a little miniature pony called Bose, which I still have. I wow. Still have her, and she's teaching little girls how to ride. Wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, it's, it, it's so cute. Um <laughs> And we had we had another horse and then another miniature pony, but unfortunately they passed away. But yeah, so basically I was on a horse before I could walk, just riding around. Sometimes my parents would be like, "Oh, where's where's Tilly?" And I'd probably be down like in the paddock with the horse. Yeah, so basically I just had my miniature pony. That was it from when I was young, from when I was a, like really baby until maybe ten, I want to say. We moved from the Blue Mountains after my dad passed away. We lived in a very small house, very small house, Yeah. just mum and I. And we had bows still and we took her to, I can't even remember where it was. I think we took her to a, um, a gisting place somewhere. And I very rarely rode her really. I just went to go and visit her every now and then. 
So I sort of didn't ride between the ages of three to, I want to say, six. And then I sort of like would start riding her a bit more. And then I said to mum, I said, look, I would really like to start riding lessons. So I went to a riding school and rode riding school ponies until I was maybe 10 or maybe a little bit younger, nine, I want to say. And then I was really fortunate enough that my mum remarried and she met this beautiful man that is um, my stepdad now. And we um, ventured out and found a property for sale. And that's obviously where we live now. And it's beautiful. And I got a pony, (laughs) which was the best day of my life when I got a pony, like the best day. (laughs) And that's basically where I started my riding career from the age of 10, probably. I, this little Pinto pony, he was really naughty. Yeah. Really naughty. There's always one. You've got to have a naughty pony to start. That's it. And if I had a bad day, so if I come home from school and had a bad day and I was really grumpy, I'd get on the horse, he'd throw me off every time, without a doubt. Even if I if I had a really bad day. And I'd you're just, like, I've had the worst day. Can't you just be nice just this once? But he knows when I was grumpy, which was the best thing. And I think that really shaped me to the rider I am today. I think without having him teaching me that, hey, you've got to be in the zone. You can't take what was really annoying you that day and take it onto the horse. You've just got to have a blank canvas, basically. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah, that's basically, he basically taught me everything there was to do with eventing. So then I started eventing. I had, like, mum had only done hunting. She didn't really know much about eventing. So we just sort of, I thought it was fun. So gave it a go. The one thing that I think shocks a lot of people is I never went to pony club. A lot of people and a lot of the high level riders sort of went to pony club, but I just didn't see the the gist in it. Like I just didn't want to go. Yep. <laughs> so never went to pony club and yeah, just fanged around with my pony at eventing comps. And then I ended up getting another horse once Jimmy sort of, I grew out of Jimmy because he was only 13, three, but that horse. I did need a 20 show jumping on it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And then, yeah, I got my special boy, Tom, and Tom took me from uh, 80 centimetres to two-star eventing. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he was, he was, uh, it makes me teary thinking about him. He was the best horse I could have possibly ever had. Yeah, he just was amazing. And it was a really, really good transition horse from a pony to a horse, I think. And I was really lucky to find him. I literally found the ad five minutes after they posted it and we were there the next day trying him and then we bought him. It was Sometimes just, it like, just all aligns. Yeah, I think he, I just knew that he was the right horse after trying about 13 horses. <laughs> and then, yeah, so Tom basically took me from an 80 centimetre show jump uh, eventing rider to an international eventing rider and that was really, really cool. So, yeah, that's basically how I started riding and my introduction to riding, really. So what are you up to these days with horses? So you work with horses as well now, don't you? Yes. Yeah, so I actually I ride at the racetrack <laughs> out of all things. What a so surprise, an eventer who loves speed. <laughs> yes. So I ride at the racetrack for Gay Waterhouse and Adrian Bot from Monday to Friday. And it is the best job I have possibly ever had in my life. (laughs) Such a great job. It's really social, which I really like as well. I've made a lot of friends. And I think riding the racehorses at 
at work actually help me unwind off the track thoroughbreds when I retrain them. So I sort of have more of an idea of what I need to unwind, if that sort of makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So that's. I think it would help as well knowing their routine on a day to day. I think that's what shocks most thoroughbreds when they go from racing to normal riding is they don't have their routine and everything falls apart and they're kind of like a person retiring from an actual job. They go, what do I do with myself now? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it. it and you do have to unwind it sort of. You can't just go from racing to eventing Nothing. straight away. You've got yeah. to, You've got to sort of take it back a step and be like, no, so what you were taught before is actually not how I want you to go. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm riding at the racetrack, which is a very busy job, but it's really good and I really like it. And then I have a few client horses, which I really love doing, and I have a few students to teach. So that really, really busy schedule in between my four horses that I ride. Wow, that is an insane schedule. I don't know how you keep up. I guess it's, you know, joys of trying to be organised, I guess. Well, that's it. I never found myself as an organised person at school. I was horrendous with organisation. But I tell a lot of people these days, is like organisation is a really major thing in growing up and being out of school. Like if I wasn't organised now, I'd probably have my whole life falling apart. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Do you find that the track work helps you in your discipline of eventing? Well, I mean, I've only started working at the track recently, so I haven't actually been able to go out to a competition and see how it, it differs. But being at home, um, I feel like my fitness is really peaked because obviously riding, I ride about seven horses at the track in the morning and then have to come home, ride my four, then do client horses. So being fit is really important and I feel like being at the track you're on the go all the time yeah so it really keeps you fit <laughs> yeah and I guess you know when you've got quite big ambitions to get to the top of eventing and such a big part of that is being able to gallop the horses so hopefully you'll find that that's super helpful being going from your track work over to your gallop work for the eventers yeah well that's it and I think being an eventer also helps with the track riding because you sort of have to know a gauge of what the speeds are in eventing. Yeah. Like say three stars, five to 70 meters per minute in a long format. And then you've got to ride like times in track riding. So I think it sort of differs. A, it's the same a little bit, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you learn to stay on certain paces and yeah, that's mm. very cool. It's a good crossover. Yeah. And it teaches my stickability. It's really good for my stickability. I can <laughs> Some imagine. Some jump over everywhere. <laughs> <sighs> yes, I can totally imagine. So your competition journey, so you've obviously been competing since you were so, so young. What's your journey looked like? You've brought multiple horses up the levels now, haven't you? Yes. Yeah. So when I was younger um, with my little miniature pony, I went out hacking. I used to really love hacking. <laughs> <laughs> bit of a difference now um, and then I did a little bit of western pleasure and sort of went to a few competitions only like two or three wasn't really interesting <laughs> and then um yeah I've been competing in the eventing scene since I was 11 and since then after Tom I sort of had the ambition to do this off the track thoroughbred retraining and I sort of jumped at the opportunity I begged my mum for like two years maybe 
like, come on, can I please get an off the track thoroughbred? Can I please retrain one? I want to do it. I want to do it so bad. And I promise you I'll, I'll sell it. I promise. Anyways, 20, 2015 rolled around and I still hadn't done it. And I was like, oh, this is really annoying. Like, I want to do it. And anyways, 2016 came. At the end of 2016, I managed to speak to Charlie Brister about a um, – I let him know because I, I know he's in the racing industry and his mum is really involved in the racing industry as well or off the track thoroughbred with training. So I messaged him and I said, oh, look, Charlie, I really want to get an off the track thoroughbred. Mum's finally said yes and I'm looking for something. Mind you, I was 15. I had no idea what I was looking for at all. Yeah. <laughs> no clue. And Charlie, obviously, I really, really trust Charlie's opinion and I trust his word as well. I I, I know that he wouldn't throw me on something that was going to try and kill me. <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good choice. He was actually the person that broke in my young horse who I must say has he has done just the world's best job. So, mm. yeah, definitely no, a good person very- to trust. Yeah, he's a very good horseman, 100% great horseman. So he actually showed me a photo of Cosman and I immediately fell in love. Um, he'd been on a spell, which was perfect. He'd been let down a little bit. Anyways, so I hopped in the car with mum one day with the float and went and tried him and it was just like I had no idea what I was doing, to be honest with you. But I like I knew that he was going to be the really good horse for my first retrain horse. He had a brain and he was, yeah. Yeah. I had my first jump on him at Charlie's place the day I tried him and he um, he really showed that he was a good horse. So I said, look, Charlie, I think this might be the one. So got him, tried to get him on the float, wouldn't get on the float. <laughs> they, can't, they can't be and, 100% perfect from the get-go. You yeah. know, you've got to forgive some things. <laughs> Yeah. Anyways, Charlie, the magical horseman he is, he got him on the float and we took him home. And there I was with a horse that I had no idea what to do with, but I gave it a go. And fast forward four and a half years, nearly five years, and he is now my three-star event top. Yeah. I love that attitude of going, you know, just try. Yeah, that's it. The six-month plan to retrain and resell ended up being a very lengthy process. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it's not going to be a resell sort of thing now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, he's part of the furniture. We've, we're stuck with him. Yeah, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. So, yeah, and then I, from then on, I sort of really got addicted basically to retraining horses and I've managed to rescue a horse and break him in. That was, He was my first ever breaker. That was an amazing experience. And I've been lucky enough to do two more retrained off-the-track th- off thoroughbreds since um, Cosmo. So really, it's been a very crazy journey since I first met Cosmo and he sort of really sparked my my love for retraining horses. Yeah, that's awesome. So obviously, you know, along the road, I'm assuming you have gone about and had your ups and downs and had setbacks and things like that. What do you have any setbacks that really stand out that made you, you know, really go, whoa, I'm, you know, this scared me or this has really made me think twice about what I'm doing or I I have, yes, hundred percent. I remember I so I have a beautiful mare called P. A lot of people recognize her with a big white baldy face. 
She's, as someone said to me, she looks like she's been hit with a flower bag. (laughs) (laughs) She is a very, very difficult horse to ride and not everyone can ride her. She is a beautiful horse and when she goes well, she goes sensationally. We were placing in the top five at two-star level. She was my second horse to ever take me two-star apart from Tom. Tom was a more of a sit there and close your eyes and hope that the distance was great (laughs) sort of ride. Whereas P, she is perfect where everything has to be perfect. So that really taught me to read my distances better. And obviously, no, nothing's going to be perfect all the time. Yeah. So if I missed a distance ever so slightly, I would get a stop. And it got to the point where it was getting quite bad and I sort of, I tried to push through with the two-star level and realised that it just wasn't working. She just wasn't happy and it was getting quite dangerous. So I moved back down to 105 and she flew through. It was amazing. It was beautiful. So I popped it back up to two-star and she went amazingly for maybe six or so months. And then I lost my eye again. It, it was something that it was like, oh, why can't it just be perfect all the time? And I, I think that really, like, I really struggled with that. It was a massive setback and it was something that, like, I look back on now and I'm like, God, you know what? Having that setback was actually really good because it's taught me that nothing is ever going to be perfect and nothing is written out for you, if that yeah, sort of makes it's sense. it's never guaranteed and, yeah. Yeah, no. And it's so hard when um, you're in the middle of those moments to remind yourself of like, this will get better, I will be fine, I'll get past it, things like that. So during all of those setbacks and things like that, and honestly, listening to your schedule, it is insane. How do you keep your motivation up? Motivation is hard. To anyone you would talk to, motivation is really hard. But if you have the will to do it, it will be done. So I think like I said earlier, organization is a really, really big thing. And I think that helps motivate you as well. I'm very lucky enough to be sponsored by an amazing team called the Riders Pod. And I feel like they have really helped with my motivation. But you write down your goals, you can do a weekly planner, which actually really, really helps. And I, I think talking to people as well helps with your motivation because you've then realized that oh, like it's okay to lose lack of, like it's okay to have lack of motivation because everyone goes through it. I think, yeah, Um, it's so much more common than so many people realize. They always think, oh, it's just me. And whereas it's not, it's everybody has off days and, you know. And I think what I learned is in two, so in 2019 was the year after I finished school. I was actually lucky enough to be young for my year. So I had a whole year out of school of junior riding. So I had a whole 2019 and I was so determined to get on that leaderboard, to get to the top and crack all of my goals in one year. And you know what? I did it. (laughs) But it got to the point where I got to the end of the year and I had turned 18 in March and I had only gone out with my friends four or five times in that year. And I think that really helped with the fact of me losing motivation because I just burnt myself out way too much. And I remember Gemma Tinney saying to me once, you've got to make a balance. And I know a lot of people say it, but you've got to have a balance. So then you do keep your motivation up, if that sort of makes sense. Like you've got to, you've got to have a social life. 100%. 100%. Yeah. You've got to have, obviously, if you have a work life or a school life, 
you have that as well. And then you have your horses. You can't burn yourself out having a social life, seeing your friends, even going for a walk with your parents, spending time with friends and family is really important in our sport. And I think a lot of people forget to do that sometimes. Yeah, and they get very laser focused and nothing else matters. And yeah, losing motivation is okay. But if you do lose it quite a lot, just have one break. Like it doesn't even have to be long. It can be a week's break and just say, you know what? The horses can have a week's break. Or you know what? I could get someone else to ride them if you're in that position to be able to have someone else to ride yeah yeah so you sound like you're quite big on goal setting and things like that so how do you set your goals for yourself do you you know is it just you look at the calendar ahead and say I want to do this or do you have these massive big goals that you go right that's where I want to get to I'll reverse engineer it how do you go about setting goals so basically at the at the end of the year I, after everything's happened, after the horses have gone out on a holiday and I'm sort of in my own zone, I'll sit down and just sort of reflect on what I did the previous year. Obviously, that is a little bit hard during the COVID times. It's sort of the goals keep relaxing. It's like, I'll just go back another year and do the same thing again. (laughs) Yeah, basically. So let's say, so end of 2018. My goals for 2019 was to go to Melbourne International Three Day. I had never been. I wanted to go up. Another goal was to get through everything without having many injuries, <laughs> horse and human. Yeah. And so my main goal was Melbourne International. And I knew that there were certain events leading up to that that I had to do in order to be qualified because my two horses weren't qualified. So obviously that's where it got really busy and having to work out. So at the end of the year, I'll sit down, I'll look at the calendar that's going to be of the year ahead and I say, I want to do that event, that event, that event. They're my three main events that I want to go to. So let's say Sydney three-day, Melbourne three-day and Adelaide three-day or whatever three-day you want to do. Obviously, you can't do a million three-days, otherwise you'll get too tired and the horses will be like, oh, my gosh, what's happening? Yeah. (laughs) But, yes, so your three main goals. And then you've got to set little goals in between. So say I would like to get my horse doing flying changes or I would like to get a horse doing shoulder in. Um, I think the little goals are really important because then one tick one off, you can say, okay, well, I've got the flying change now. Now I want to do the can and a half pass with the flying change sort of thing. So writing them down so they're visible is really important, I think. Yeah. I love that. So you do three main goals for your year and then you break it down and think what are the tiny things I can do in between that'll eventually lead to those three big goals. Yeah. And it's not just a question either. It's other things like work goals, social goals, yeah, individual goals. Yeah. So um, I guess that year that you only saw, you know, went out five or so times, you might think, okay, maybe I need to aim for at least yeah. twice a month that I go out for a decent time with friends for social. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Like another little goal is I want to get my truck license. So things like that. It's not just a question. Like you want to make yeah. sure you set your goals up. And then obviously you've got your major, major goals, which are the ones like I would like to represent Australia. I'd like to ride at badminton five-star. That is my be-all and end-all goal. I don't – that's the tunnel vision. It's the one goal. I'm getting to. <laughs> yes, that's the one I will do. doesn't matter how old I am. 
as long as I go. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, so yeah. also I noticed that recently you actually did a bit of a live video with a sports psychologist who you've been working with for a while now, or how has that been with you with your writing and everything? So I'm very lucky enough to be coached by the amazing Prue Barrett. She is like amazing and I think she's really shaped my writing. It's only been the last probably since the start of the year I started working with Prue. And she actually noticed, so I struggle a lot with anxiety and she noticed that when I ride and when things sort of don't work the way I want them to work, going back to that, nothing's perfect, but I am a perfectionist. And she just felt that it was really necessary that I would go and see a sports psychologist. And she got me in touch with Warren, who has spoken to Prue previously and has worked with the Olympic riders yep. for equestrian, not just equestrian, for other sports as well. And yeah, so we got in touch with Warren and I've been working with him since probably March this year. And I have noticed a massive improvement, like not just in my writing, but in myself as well. Obviously with COVID and then with a few of my health issues, we haven't really touched base recently with my writing because we sort of wanted to touch base when things sort of started getting back up and back running and things like that yeah but it, it, it's been a really really good thing and I was really actually I really enjoyed doing the live I think I would probably do more of those because I feel like a lot of people really enjoyed it and it's something that I think a lot of people don't know and I think they don't actually understand the concept of a sports psychologist it's not just telling you that you've got like a sort of you're too stressed you need to do this this and this they actually work on like coping mechanisms and things like that and the sports psychologist that I have Warren he really is able to read people and work out what's best for the individual that's that's really awesome so you've had health issues do you mind talking about them like how have they affected you and your day-to-day life really and how you're getting through them so the last 18 months have been a shocker for me really (laughs) with my um my injuries and my health so last year I unfortunately severed my thumb ligament so I was in a cast from January to I think about March that same time in Jan- uh, in December in 2018, I tore my muscle in my shoulder. Was in had quite a lot of problems with that, and then after I got my cast off, maybe two weeks after, uh, two months after I got my hand cast off, I then went and broke my leg. And oh my goodness, that, yeah. Then that proved to be very difficult. Was in a cast, and that was just after I had purchased my horse Cody, my new horse Cody. So it was maybe like three months after I bought Cody. And so I missed out on the first lot of competitions with him, with my off-the-track, my off-the-track thoroughbred Pablo at the time. I couldn't ride him. I couldn't ride any of my horses. And that went on until November. I was in a boot. But then I managed to get out of surgery and not have surgery. I was very lucky. But, yeah, and then... I've had a couple of falls in the last 12 months and I was out for a couple of weeks before Sydney three-day at the start of this year, had to get stitches in my arm. But luckily I was given the all clear to go and compete and ride, which was very, very lucky. I was so, so lucky. 
So and then, with, sorry, just with all these injuries, because a lot of people would be thinking, oh, I've had all these injuries, I'm getting like it's starting to worry me or it's, you know, or even just having to sit still while you're injured. How did you cope? How did you, how did you bounce back? Good question, actually. <laughs> I sort of, like, I knew that they were going to heal. So it was sort of like a, well, I hope they were going to heal. <laughs> it was sort of like, you know what, like this is just a bump in the road and it really sucks, but there's nothing you can do about it. Like, yeah. especially with the broken bone sort of situation, like you're in a cast, that's it. Like you can't yeah. get on a horse and yeah. don't try because it's just going to be silly. Very but, wise. Very wise. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> with my recent problem, I unfortunately have a heart problem. And I was told I couldn't ride for quite a while, which is quite a while being like a month. (laughs) Yeah. So not much, but. um, Yeah, but that's a pretty significant thing when 95% of your life revolves around getting on a horse and riding and yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it was sort of frustrating because it's like, well, there's physically nothing wrong with me. Like I could get on a horse and I'd be fine, but I'm not allowed to. So that was definitely frustrating. But that's when, um my sports psychologist and my counsellor came in a really big part of that was just talking to people and sort of letting my emotions out on people that know what they're talking about rather than going to my mum and being like, mum, why can't I do this, blah, 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 and stressing her out. I mean, obviously, you can talk to your mum about everything. You can talk to your friends about everything. But talking to a professional really, really helped. Yeah, that's so good. See, I've, yeah, I've thought myself, I've been wanting to see a sports psychologist for a long while because Mm. I feel like I'm a bit in a rut on my journey myself, which is fine because I know that I'll get past it, but you know, such is life. That's Um, it. Like setbacks are setbacks and you can't, like, you can't do anything about it. Like if it's a broken bone, you can't do anything about it. Yeah. It's just, you just got to hope that it gets better and do what your doctor says. Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. I um I had surgery at the start of the year, which was a good thing, not a bad thing. But it, the time off for me was a bit of horrendous. I was I was starting to go insane. I was just lucky that I could I have the horses at home and I could sit in the box mm. with them and just groom them while they ate hay. And you know, lucky that they're quiet. And so that was awesome. But yeah. yeah. So I would love to ask you as well, you're very across social media. You've got quite a big following on TikTok and Instagram and all these different social media platforms. So how do you find time to keep up with all of that with your hectic schedule? Yeah, sometimes I don't. (laughs) (laughs) I am very lucky. And you know what? Like I obviously, I don't have a massive following. Like it's not huge, but I enjoy it, but it can be a very toxic place and you have to be very careful with what you post. And like, obviously there are people out there that are jealous that are just don't want to be proud of what you're, you're achieving. And I mean, it is only a small percentile, but it is, yeah, it's only a small percentage, but it does affect you. And sometimes and I've spoken to so many people Hey, like, what, what do you do to stop this person saying so and so? Block them. Like, yeah, it, it's the easiest thing to do and like report them, block them. I think a really positive thing that has come out of my social media is finding a lot of friends. And like, I, I'm so, so grateful that I had this Instagram platform 
because I have met probably 80% of my friends through this. And it is so nice to go to a horse comp and seeing see them and even outside of horse comps now, like obviously not with COVID, but <laughs> it, it it was it really built my friendships with people. And yeah. it's also really helped me find sponsors, which is amazing. Like I don't I don't think I'd have really managed to have found many sponsors if I didn't have the social media. I know that that sort of sounds really bad, but <laughs> no, not at no, not at all. Because I remember when I was starting my journey with the horses, like when I first started competing, because I haven't actually been competing very long myself. Like I was, you know, I did the horsing since when I was young, but it was always just going around doing things myself. And, you know, like we didn't really have the resources to do huge showing and stuff. And I always thought to myself, like, well, if I build my platform now and one day if I am a really awesome rider, who are they going to consider? The person with no following Mm -hmm. or a person with a decent platform? You know, like what separates you? So that doesn't sound bad at all. It's it's reality. And I, I like I've managed to meet people all over the world. Like it was actually a really cool experience. I was really lucky enough. I competed oh, wow. over in Malaysia in 2018, which was amazing. And I actually rode one of my Instagram followers' horses there. Wow. Which was just insane. And I met another one there and, like, I met another girl there that followed me. And it was really, really cool, like, really cool. And I absolutely love meeting people. Yeah. I, I sort of... Sometimes I'm like in the zone and I like someone will say hi and I'll be like, I didn't even hear them. And then they'll message me, Oh, like I, I said hi, but you didn't like notice. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, which but, is perfectly fine because that happens yeah. as well. But yeah, so, okay. So you've obviously you've experienced a lot of negativity. Have you, have you ever found that it's affected you quite negatively? Back, I'm going to say back when I was in school, it would have 100% made me want to call up in a ball and cry. (laughs) Or I probably have done that a few times. But now I sort of have learnt that, you know what, it's coming from it. People just do it because they don't have anything better to do. Yeah. And it is really sad. But I think the one thing that has helped has been moving away from that dumb app, Tell On Me. Oh, I don't know what that yeah. is. So it's an it's an anonymous um, messaging site, and people can write all sorts of things, no matter what it is. And I think that, that really, really, I used to use it, and it was just horrible. Yeah. And so I moved away from that, and ever since, it's you know what you do get your every now and then message or comment or share or whatever it might be. But you sort of just got to learn to shrug your shoulders and say, you know what, I'm living my life to the best of my ability. I'm doing whatever I want to do. I'm setting my goals. I'm achieving my goals. All that matters really is you and your horses. Yeah. And also finding that positivity amongst it as well. Like that's so awesome Mm -hmm. that you've managed to surround yourself with a whole new community that you never would have at all. Yeah. And, like, listen to your friends rather than people that don't know you. Don't listen to people that haven't even seen you in real life. Yeah. Like, they're just people behind a screen. They they don't know the reality. They don't know what goes on behind the scenes. They don't know what happened yeah. or whatever happened to cause the comment. Like, it's just things like that that 
you just got to learn to just shrug your shoulders and say, you know what, if they don't like it, they don't like it. That's their problem. Yeah, exactly. Their opinion of you is none of your business. That's what I've learned. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Well, honestly, it has been so much fun having you on today. And thank you so much for sharing so much where, you know, it's a bit vulnerable and you've just been amazing. But before we do wrap it up, I do love to do a bit of a Q&A at the end, just some little tidbits and fun facts. So I hope that you're ready to go for a bit of a quick fire Q&A. Yep. Ready to go. All right. So what is your one go-to exercise that you always go back to with your horses? Oh, that's a good one. Lateral work. So lots of long and, oh, well, lots of leg yielding, getting the horse soft and supple, lots of long and low. Yeah. Lots of that, getting them over the back, stretching them. And then with jumping, I really like to do like, well, Prue has been pummeling me with Cavalettis and they're really good. Yeah. Um, but I do like to have the um the little I put a pole, a counter stride in front of a jump, only a little jump, and then so a pole. Placing afterwards. pole. Yeah. Yeah, placing poles. And that really helps, I feel. It gets Beautiful. their brain working, my brain working. <laughs> okay. So I'm I'm not even sure if you have one of these, but what is your favorite hobby outside of horses? Oh gosh. <laughs> Can I say work? <laughs> <laughs> Which is still horse related. What a surprise. <laughs> True, true. Um, I, I actually used to be a gymnast, so I, I like I like doing lots of like working out, and obviously the riders quite help with that. And then just literally spending time with my friends and family—that's the best perfect. hobby that you can have. Yeah. <laughs> what is one thing that you can't live without? That's not horses. <laughs> my dog. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, and what's your favorite riding memory or achievement? Oh, mm, mm, probably winning new south wales junior event being rider for 2019 that was amazing wow um, and i think also just bringing cosmo up the grade that it makes me emotional thinking about it, it yeah it, that's a huge it's very a special, huge achievement yeah. if you could go back and give your younger self a piece of advice even though you are still so young what would it be <laughs> i think it'd be to be patient that not everything come, needs to come so quickly. You have your whole life ahead of you. Um, don't sweat the small stuff. If yeah. something happens, try again the next day. Humble yourself until it just becomes a disaster. Yes. Just very come back good. the next day, give it a go, another go. Very good advice. Okay, so if there is one person that you know who would be super inspiring that I could get on as a guest, who would that be? There's too many. <laughs> I think I think Prue Barrett would be a very good. I might be biased because she's my coach, but you know what? She's an amazing person. She's seen so much in the equestrian world. Yeah. I think she'd be pretty cool to talk to. Yep. Well, I will tell her that you have dobbed her in and that we will get her on. So yeah. for anybody that wants to find you on social media, where online can we find you? My home facebook which is fascia path equestrian and that is p-h-i-s-h-e-r a lot of people say fisher <laughs> i i did think that i'm not gonna lie yeah <laughs> it's fascia phil and sheridan which are my parents instagram which is tmac eventing tmac t-m-a-c dot eventing yep and tiktok is the same as my instagram 
Beautiful. I do love your TikTok. I'm not going to lie. It's always fun. Um, I've sort of slacked off a little bit, but. Yeah, come on, girl. Get back into it. I, I know. I'm sorry. I've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I will. Any- I promise. Good. So very exciting that you are a sponsored writer, so young. And you know what? Go you. You've put yourself out there. So tell us about them before we hop off today. So obviously my main sponsor is Macau's Automotive, which is my amazing dad's company. He does so much for me and I'm very, very grateful. And obviously my lovely (laughs) mum. We have my second sponsor is Horse First Supplements, which is um, together with Horse and Hound. They do a lot of like thermo rugs, which are really cool. And they do all sorts of stuff. And then they have the Horse First Supplements, which I actually use for my horse. I use I use the Relax Me Powder, yep. which works wonders on my horses because they're all a little bit, a little bit hot. <laughs> choice of thoroughbreds, um, choice of off the tracks. All and and warm blood. <laughs> yes. And then we have Coolabar Aquine and Human Massage, which is sort of together with doTERRA oils. And Lucy, she has been, she was actually one of my first ever sponsors back when I was like 14, 15. Wow. And Lucy and I have a really, really special relationship. Um, she's the most beautiful lady. And I use the oils that she sends me and seriously like the best like I get a really good night's sleep with their oils it's amazing and then Lucy if I see her she sometimes gives my horses a little bit of a massage and myself yeah um and sort of connected to that sponsor is Flow Equine Therapy which I'm really lucky beautiful Phoebe she does hemp therapy and red light therapy on the horses and I've this is a new sponsor but I've noticed a massive difference in my horses and I feel like I know that it can be a little expensive to get your horses regular checkups, but they're athletes as well. Like we go to the doctors, we, we go to chiros, we go to physios. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. So they get their treatments every month and they have been loving it. Phoebe has done a really good job with this new business and she's only, she's only new to it and she's killing it. Absolutely. Awesome. That's awesome. And then we have the Aventus Boutique, which have amazing leatherware. They have other things as well, but their leatherware is literally second to none. Like it's so good. I've got my girths and my bridles from there, breastplates. They're really, really good. Um, yeah. Sheridan does a good job running that business because I couldn't imagine it'd be such a busy business. Yeah. And then we have the amazing The Riders Pod. I've been sponsored by them for two years running, I think. Two or one, one or two years, and they have been the ones that have motivated me to keep fit, write down all my goals. A lot of organization comes from the Riders Pod. Yeah, they've done a really good job with this app, and I mean, you can do anything on this app. You can do Pilates, meditation. You can. I use the meditation a lot because I get stressed out, and a lot of their workouts you can just do it home. Like you don't even need to go to the gym. You can just do it with a mat. You can find things to use yep. as ways as you need to. It's They're really, really good. And then I've been lucky enough to just start a new ambassadorship with Harry Pony, which is really exciting. Harry Pony do the plaiting gear and all the glow-up stuff. Yeah, I have never been really good at plaiting, but I have been using this stuff and it's made my plaiting a lot better, I must admit. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. And yeah, um, that's, that's it, really. 
Beautiful. So is there anything else that we might have forgot to talk about today or anything you'd like to mention before we wrap it up? Really, I just want to thank everybody for always like being so supportive of me. I know that it it's a rocky road with any sort of equestrian person and like nobody, like I keep saying, nothing is perfect. But my friends, my family, people on Instagram, people on Facebook, it's just been such a such a nice way to work with the equestrian community. And um, obviously always thanking the organisers and volunteers at horse comps is a really, really important thing. So make sure you always do that and thank the sponsors of the classes and just stay really humble. Yeah. <laughs> just be just be yourself and don't don't be afraid to show the real you and don't be afraid to give something a go that you might be too nervous to do. Never say no to an opportunity. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, I mean, you'd kick yourself if it would have worked out and you didn't do it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, just stay positive. It can be a negative place, but if you stay positive, don't listen to anyone except your coaches. They're the ones that are there. They're the ones that show you what to do. Yeah. And that's really it. And, yeah, thank you for having me. It's It's been so fun to chat. Oh, thanks heaps. I'm so glad that you've come on because I really wanted everybody to see all aspects, you know, because there's riders that are really, really young. There's riders that are at the Olympics in their 60s. So honestly, I'm so grateful to have your perspective on, you know, how you get through life and everything. So thank you so much for coming on. No, thank you. What a awesome episode. What a great way to get you inspired for the end of the year. Maybe it might have helped you think about ways that you could sit down and actually write down some of the goals that you want to start thinking about for the new year. And can I highly recommend that you do it? Tilly was just all over it when she spoke about how she writes down her goals and then she plans out little mini goals that she can do in amongst them. So as I said at the start, in January, we will be all about goal setting And yeah, thank you so much for joining us again today. And if you loved this episode or you've loved any of the episodes that we have shared, please hit subscribe. And also if you could share it and tag us on Instagram stories, I reshare everybody's. So I'll also give you a bit of a shout out also. And also if you could leave a rating and review Apple podcasts and Spotify, we'll pick up on that and just say, Hey, people are loving this podcast. We should share it to more people. So hopefully more people can find it. And guys, just wishing you all such a happy Christmas and a happy new year. And I will see you all on January the 3rd, where we will get excited for the new year. And we will also be looking at how we can set ourselves up for just the best year ahead. Can't wait to see you all then. Thank you so much for sharing this journey with me with the Approachable Equestrian Podcast. I can't wait to see where the new year takes us and who we will get to speak to. And hopefully we can impact more riders. And I will see you all in the new year. Today's episode was proudly brought to you by Hara Equine. Hara Equine is an equestrian events business who provides regular clinics and training days around the Sydney area. If you're looking for events to go to, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Their handle is at Hara Equine, which is spelt H-A-R-A Equine, or their website www.haraequine.com.
Thank you so much for listening in today, guys. It was honestly a privilege to have you here. If you loved anything that you heard and got something out of it, please remember to hit the subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you could, we would be so grateful if you could leave a a rating and a review um, just so people can find us more organically and we can reach more people like you who want to work on their mindset, hear awesome stories to keep themselves inspired and also work on their motivation. So thanks heaps, guys. Have the greatest day. I'll see you all again soon.